Well, don't look now, but the Big 12 is doing just fine when it comes to revenues. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It is great to be here with you for another week of shows. Wow, flying. We're already approaching mid-June, baby. Woo, how about that? All right, so uh, for the Big 12, revenue-wise, Record revenues for the 10 teams in the league. The Big 12 is going to share $426 million in revenue with its membership. That is a 25% increase over last season, which, of course, was influenced by COVID-19. But it's also 10% higher than the league's peak before the pandemic. So in the final athletic year before the pandemic, the league shared $388 million for 10 teams. 2018-19. 2018-19. Then $377 million for 19-20. Uh, and then obviously you had the COVID year. But divided by 10, that means each school is going to receive $42.6 million in revenue for the 2021-2022 athletic year. Now, what drives those revenues? TV contracts, the biggest driver, also boosted by payouts related to the league's success on the field. The Big 12 had two teams in New Year's Six Bowl games, Baylor and Oklahoma State. So that helps boost the conference's overall payout. Uh, Kansas's run to the men's national championship in basketball also helped out the league, just as Baylor's run to the title last season helped as well. So uh, this is a good place for the Big 12 to be right now, revenue-wise. And remember this, this does not include does not include the Tier 3 rights that the Big 12 has. That means uh, Longhorn Network. So the Longhorn Network's $15 million a year for Texas. So they're getting $42.6 million through the Big 12 revenue share and then another $15 million when it comes to the Longhorn Network. So uh, University of Texas is cleaning up with nearly, let's do this math together, $58 million. All right, $58 million. That is absolutely enormous when you think about it. That's a huge number, and it's not far off from the SEC. The latest numbers that we had from the SEC, total revenues for the SEC, $833 million in fiscal year 2021. Eight thirty-three. million. Divided by 14 teams is $59.5 million. So Texas with the Longhorn Network is basically right on par with the SEC. Now, the other schools, those Tier 3 rights are not going to be as big. They're pretty big for Oklahoma, uh, but they're not as big for the other teams. They're anywhere from a couple to a few million dollars on top of the 42.5. But, uh, you know, if the SEC is doing 55 to $60 million per team, and the Big 12, when all is said and done with the Tier 3 rights on top of it, is anywhere from 45 to $50 million. I mean, that, that, that's right there. That is right there. And that's why I'm not going to go back and beat a dead horse. But if I'm Oklahoma and Texas, and I've got the possibility of running the show in a league and being the man of my league, the blue bloods of my league, and uh, essentially making SEC money, if not right there, pretty darn close to it, did this make the most sense to leave? Did it? 
Yes, there may be factors that we're never going to know or won't be reported for 10 years till the ESPN 30 for 30 comes out and OU and Texas leaving. Maybe the SEC gave him an ultimatum and said, hey, Texas, you don't come. OU, you don't come. We're going to raid the Big Ten. We're going to get Clemson. And eventually, this is going to be the place to be, and you're going to be left behind. Maybe that happened, and maybe they felt that ultimatum. As a result, they had no choice in. Maybe. It's not impossible. I'm not denying it's not a possibility. But as I watched these SEC meetings unfold last week, and they're talking about making sure Oklahoma and Texas are in the conversation, in the mix, part of the conversation for scheduling, and that's great. But it's never going to be what they had in the Big 12, where you ran the show. And I I, I think about uh, the Big 12, and had they just, had everybody just been on board with expanding a couple of years ago? And having Texas and Oklahoma still in the league with the four teams that are coming in, Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, and, of course, Houston. How great this conference. It still is going to be so much fun, but I'm not going to lie. I'm not stupid. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to BS you. It's not going to be the SEC or the Big Ten. We know that. But if you had Oklahoma and Texas in there with those four new teams, that would have been the best And most importantly, most desirable, the TV networks conference in America with those staple blue bloods in Texas and OU with then multiple time zones, the only power five league with three time zones. It would have been incredible. And if everybody could have just gotten on the same page with that and been on board with that, how might college football and college athletics look different today than it did 12 months ago? That's what I've been thinking to myself here the last few days. And it's, it's you know, it's a shame we're not going to relitigate it or, or relive history or anything like that. But when I saw the Big 12 sharing this kind of money and I'm saying, geez, all in all, it's not that far off of the SEC. And, yes, I get Texas and Oklahoma are big reasons for those TV contracts and for that payout the way it is. But don't forget the extra money, New Year's Six Bowls, came from Oklahoma State and Baylor. All right, Kansas won the Men's National Basketball Championship, which also helped the league, just as Baylor's title run did last season as well. So uh, just note that, too, and the grass is not always greener. It's not. It never has been. And um, to me, the record revenue proved as much as well here in recent days when that news came out because the Big 12 had its meetings uh, last week in Dallas. So that's why all this news came out here in the last few days. And now we're starting to look at it, analyze it, and talk about uh, what it means as well. Now, what else did we learn out of these meetings? That the Big 12 is going to replace Bob Bowlesby probably at media days. And we will be at Big 12 media days as we are every single year. And we have been since the site started. Uh, we'll have a good crew down there at Big 12 media days. So looking forward to that. Uh, but Bob Bowlesby's replacement for commissioner in the Big 12 is expected to be announced sometime in mid-July, according to reports from the league's annual meetings last week. So the chairman for the Big 12 Board of Directors is the Texas Tech president, and he said to reporters the league is on track to meet that timeline. So you're probably going to have the announcement at media days. That's what I would imagine. Bob Bowlesby always addresses uh, media at media days. He's usually the first guy at the podium. And I will never in my life forget 
never in my life forget one of the last things that Bob Bowlesby said from the podium. One of the last things that he said before he walked off that podium at Media Days almost 11 months ago to the day. I'm glad nobody asked me about conference realignment or expansion. Those were some of the final words that Bob Bowlesby said publicly. And two weeks later, the college football and college sports landscape blew up. It is truly amazing. And it's one of those things when I think back to this time in history, that commentary from Bob Bowlesby, just off-the-cuff comment, it also goes to show you how out of the loop he was. If he had any inclination, any idea whatsoever, that that was even a possibility, he would have never said it. There is no way that Bob Bowlesby, who is keeps things very close to the vest, who is very good at saying words but not really saying much, and I mean that as a compliment, like Derek Jeter was great at that, uh, Tom Brady is great at that, they speak words but they don't really say much, Bob Bowlesby let his hair hang down a little bit when he made that comment, which was not very on brand for Bob Bowlesby. But he said it because he felt like he could say it. He felt like there was no reason to even think twice about conference realignment. And it goes to show you how buttoned up Oklahoma, Texas, and the SEC had this thing. That the commissioner of the Big 12, and this is not a knock on Bowlesby, let's be very clear. This is not a knock on Bob Bowlesby. It goes to show that even in 2021, which is what it was obviously last year, or 2022, when it's almost impossible to keep a secret in this media landscape, in this media environment, the SEC managed to do it until basically Texas A&M let the cat out of the bag uh, because they were pissed off about the whole thing and they didn't want Texas joining, so they leaked it to the Houston Chronicle, as I recall. That's how this all went down almost one year ago at this time. And hey, I don't know if it feels like just yesterday or it feels like 10 years ago, but regardless, nobody saw it coming. No one saw it coming. So something else that was a big part of the conversation last week was what might happen with divisions in the Big 12, in the new look Big 12. We'll tell you what the league is considering and also what they should do Coming up next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. I'm Pete Mundo. More on that is coming up next. Hey, guys, if you could take a quick moment out, leave us a rating and a review on the show. We'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail uh, when you leave me a rating and a review on iTunes and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And also... Going to start doing some mailbag questions in this show, in this podcast. And uh, the way to get your question answered is to leave uh, a question in your rating and review on iTunes. So that way I see it, and then I can read it in next week's show, give you a shout-out as well, and you will still get the koozie when you send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I also want to note that we are launching other podcasts as well. We've got a Bedlam podcast. We've got a uh, Texas Tech podcast that we have started back up. We have uh, a KU podcast as well. So these are all getting rolled out. Just search Heartland College Sports wherever you get your podcast, and you'll find them there. Thanks so much, guys. 
So what is the Big 12 Conference to do when it comes to divisions? Well, we don't know yet. We, we do not know yet. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Oh, it's great to have you on board as we take you through uh, another busy week. So uh, they had their Big 12 meetings in Dallas last week, and uh, one of the biggest questions is what is the league going to look like? especially when you have a couple of years here where you could have 14 teams in the Big 12 because we know BYU is joining next year, 2023. We believe UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati are going to join in 2023 for the football season. So then you could potentially have 14 teams in the Big 12 for two years before Oklahoma and Texas leave in 2025. What do you do? Well, the Big 12 should not go back to divisions. I've talked about how you would break them up if you want to go back to divisions. And I've put out ideas on that. We've written about that a lot on the site. But with that being said, all right, with that being said, uh, the best play for the Big 12 is to continue what they started a trend of. And that trend was having no divisions and one true champion. That was a phrase that the Big 12 started and used brilliantly once they started promoting it a little bit more. I mean, I was I was banging that drum for years. And they finally came around to it when they started the Big 12 championship game back up in 2017. Oklahoma and TCU was the first title game uh, in, geez, nearly a decade. And then they started really pushing that one true champion moniker. And it was a smart thing to do because nobody else – in college football was doing it. Everybody else was doing the same old East versus West. What was the dumb thing in the Big Ten? Oh, gosh. Now I need to look it up. Legend, oh, Legends and leaders. That's right. Legends and leaders. Has there ever been a worse idea in modern college sports than legends and leaders for Big Ten divisions? That meant absolutely nothing to anybody and nobody could ever figure out or keep straight. That was a joke. It was like a bad joke. They got rid of that. They went to East-West. But what then happens? Well, you've got the Big Ten East that is far superior to the Big Ten West. You got half of the Big Ten East who would win the Big Ten West. So you get these Big Ten championship games that are just hot garbage because it's usually Ohio State blowing out whoever. Iowa, Wisconsin, Fill in the blank. Then the SEC has been that way as well to a lesser extent with the SEC West, generally speaking, deeper and better than the SEC East. Uh, Pac-12, I mean, Pac-12, the whole thing just kind of stinks. And then the ACC, you've got Clemson. And I forget what they, the, the ACC divisions uh, in football are the Coastal and the Atlantic. But I couldn't tell you off the top of my head which one Clemson's in. So I'm going to look it up here real quick. But once again, a dumb, dumb breakdown of conferences in the uh, ACC. So Clemson's in the Atlantic. So you've got Clemson in the Atlantic most years dominating that division, and then they blow out somebody from the coastal, North Carolina or Pitt or Virginia Tech or, you know, whoever. Like, just do one versus two. Now, in the ACC, it's not going to matter a whole lot because it's Clemson and everybody else. So it doesn't really matter whether you have divisions or not, but you get the point. Do a true one versus two conference champion. The Big 12 
started that trend a few years ago, never got enough credit for it, won't get enough credit if other conferences start following, which looks like is going to happen. But while everybody's following the Big 12, the Big 12 should not force itself back into divisions. Shouldn't do it. That, that would not make sense. And on top of that, by not doing divisions, what it also makes easier for you to do is to basically, uh, if you don't have divisions, then it doesn't matter what you do with Oklahoma and Texas for a couple of years. And you don't want to have to try to create divisions if you're the Big 12. You do not want to be in a situation where you're creating divisions and then you have to change those divisions after two years because Oklahoma and Texas left. The one thing I've been saying for a long time is if they go to division route, split up OU and Texas, even if it's not convenient geographically or whatever, because, you know, uh, they're going away anyway. So divvy them up, and that way when they're gone, you don't have to then restructure your divisions again, which you should not want to have to bother with or do. All right, that's that's an important thing to note here in all this as the planning does move along. So the Big 12 doesn't know what it's going to do right now. Uh, the report from uh, the Big 12 meetings last week is uh, from Bob Bowlesby, quote, we're still considering whether divisions are the right thing for us or whether one group together is the right thing. It should be one group, Bob. should be one group. Don't mess it up, my man. Don't screw up a good thing. Don't give up the ground that you really uh, laid the foundation for here. You got the ball rolling on it. Do not give it up because you know what's going to happen. The Big 12, let's say, goes back to divisions. The SEC drops divisions, and you can see it already on ESPN. Oh, the SEC. Oh, one versus two. Oh, it's the toughest conference in college football, and it's one true champion in the SEC. Oh, that Big 12, I mean, they're an inferior product, and they do divisions. I mean, who does divisions these days? No one does divisions. That's for suckers and losers. Oh, I mean, I can see the dumb conversation playing out right now on ESPN. I can see it playing out right now. So let's avoid that at all costs, all right, and not worry about that uh, because it's not a winner for the league. It's not a winner for the league. And it doesn't make any sense to be doing that or going down that road right now. It just, there's no reason to go there. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So uh, I want to note this. We got the 2023 College Football Hall of Fame ballot. It is out. You have multiple former Big 12 players on the list, most notably Justin Blackman, Oklahoma State wide receiver. K-State quarterback Michael Bishop, Oklahoma quarterback Josh Heupel. Other Big 12 players include uh, OU linebacker Rocky Kalmus, Texas linebacker Derek Johnson, Texas offensive lineman Dan Neal, Oklahoma defensive lineman Dewey Selman. Now, I want to note this. Uh, Justin Blackman, I know he completely flamed out in the NFL, and I'm still surprised by it. But that dude at wide receiver is one of the best, if not the best, I have ever seen to do it at the college level. I, that is how impressive of a career this guy had at Oklahoma State. To me, he is a no-brainer. No-brainer for the College Football Hall of Fame. Won the Bolitnikoff Award twice. Unanimous All-American twice. First-team All-Big 12 twice. Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year in 2010. Uh, 
that is as impressive a two-year stretch in college football as just about anybody has had in modern college football history. That's just how good he was those couple of years and how Oklahoma State's had a lot of great receivers come in, especially under Mike Gundy. Uh, when you think about the guys, whether it's Tylen Wallace or James Washington or Justin Blackman, uh, really solid players that you have a ton of respect for. But Blackman, that dude was different. And to think that he was a two-star guy, to think that Mike Gundy took a two-star guy and turned him into a two-time Bolitnikoff Award winner. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. When you think back to that. Maybe, maybe he was three-star, but I seem to recall him being a two-star guy coming out of high school. I'm going to pull it up here uh, real quick. Do, 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 do. Let's see what ESPN had Justin Blackman as. Wow. ESPN didn't even, they did not even have uh, Justin Blackman ranked. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But either way, uh, this was not a four or five star guy who was coming in and was really, uh, you know, expected to be what it became. And Justin Blackman did that. I also think Michael Bishop is well worthy of the College Football Hall of Fame. Seems overdue in many ways as well. Heisman Trophy runner up in 98. Uh, we all know how that season went. Two-time All-Big 12 selection as well. 14 conference records he set. Uh, 34 school records by his career's end. Uh, come on, Michael Bishop, please get the man in. Get the man in. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We are your independent Big 12 digital media outlet as we take you through another show, another week. Here on heartlandcollegesports.com. Ton of great content as well with the Women's College World Series this week. You're going to want to see on the site. That wraps it up for us this week. I'm Pete Mundo. Hey, be sure to leave that rating and a review. And if you put a question in your rating and review, we will uh, make sure, make sure that we answer that question in our mailbag that we're going to be rolling out periodically here throughout the offseason. And we'll also get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. Leave a rating and a review. Send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you guys. Hit that subscribe button. Share the show with your buddies. And this show continues to rock and roll because of you. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.